listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. This is the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. I'm your host, and thanks for joining me today. I wanted to share an observation with you just to give you some insight and encouragement on the future. At the time of this recording, 2022 is looking pretty good for conferences in terms of live attendance. I actually went to a speaker's meeting this past weekend where Jane Herlong and Jeffrey Gittimer were giving ideas about sales presentations. And I even asked them about what's the market looking like for 2022 in terms of live events, hybrids, or just virtual. And they said a lot of them are going to be live with the hybrid option. And I thought that was pretty interesting. In fact, I've actually been booked for several live events to keynote at sales conferences in various industries already for 2022. And even just today, got an inquiry for kickoff meeting virtually with the team. So I'd like to encourage you, no matter what industry you're in, plug into your trade association. If you've never done that before, check it out. Go to the conferences, meet people in person. But these are my competitors, you might say. Yes, well, they're kind of like your frenemies. You compete, but you can collaborate and share ideas, maybe even develop strategic alliances. So that's something I'd like to encourage you to do, to always keep that learning mindset and attend conferences. Make that a goal of yours, to at least go to one or two for next year. Let's go to our speaker that we have today on our show. We have Mark Roberts. Now, if that name sounds familiar, he's been on the show before. The previous interview I did with him was talking about how to get your rainmakers to produce. Today, we're talking about tactical tips for professional services rainmaking. Now, Mark, he's a senior level sales and marketing leader with over 35 years of experience driving profitable sales growth in market leading organizations. I'd recommend that you check out the show notes. We're going to have links to his ebook, to his video, even to an article that he wrote. All of that's on the show notes. Connect with Mark, and I hope you get some great ideas from my interview with him today. Thanks again for listening. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. We've got a repeat guest, Mark Roberts, joining us today talking about tactical tips for professional services rainmaking. Mark, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's great. Your content was solid. I know we got some great feedback. I know that a lot of people connected with you on LinkedIn. And by the way, we'll put Mark's contact information and show notes on LinkedIn. So let's kind of dive right in. We're talking about tactical tips for professional services rainmaking. Let's just say there is a professional services provider that is wondering, what do I do? There's so much opportunity out there. Where do I start? What advice would you give to that person, Mark? Yeah, I actually, in my past, one of the teams that I served was a professional services team. Uh, It was a TPA firm, third-party administrator, Mm -hmm. and it was one of the larger firms out West. And their owner came to me and said, look, I really want to double and triple my business. Let's do it. And, you know, that's kind of where these tips and tactics came from. Mm-hmm. Is that work? Uh, within eight months, we doubled his practice. Wow, no kidding. And tell us about that company. You say a third-party administrator. What do you mean by that exactly? Uh, they design and build uh, deferred compensation, DBDC combos, 401ks. We served a lot of other professional firms like law firms, uh, accounting firms, but also very large companies. One of our largest clients was an airline. Oh, that's interesting. So do you think, and let me kind of be devil's advocate here. Let's say there's somebody listening that's, no, I work in this industry. That's not going to apply to me. Do you think that the concepts of business development 
are malleable from one industry to another? Are they fungible? I think they have to adapt. I think the fundamental skills are there, but we need to adapt how we do them and where we do them. Got it. Okay. Well, let's get started. I'm curious. What were some of the insights that you had from the company that you consulted to that you could share with us? Well, first, it starts with having the right person do it. Right. Just because, let's say, you're a a thought leader or you're really gifted in a particular service discipline doesn't necessarily make you gifted in business development. Yeah, you're right. Also, in my past, I helped an office. It had six physicians, and they wanted to grow their practice. As you can imagine, you don't want physicians making cold calls, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) First of all, it's not good economically for your bottom line, but also it's not effective. So what we have to look at is make sure you have the right person doing it. If you're blessed to have, let's say, you know, someone in the legal profession that is really good at business development on your team, by all means, let them keep doing it. Mm. But what we often did was, particularly because of the billable rate, is we would hire a business development person that basically booked appointments Mm -hmm. for that thought leader. That was the best use of everyone's time and actually, you know, delivered the best ROI. That's great. And do you think that everybody has the potential to do business development or do you think, no, absolutely, you need to have the right people do it? If you're not somebody that's wired to be a rainmaker, then you should be a service partner instead of building a book. What do you think about that? I think everybody's in sales, whether they like it or not. I hate to be the person telling you that, but we all can have conversations that could lead to revenue if we knew how. Right. And so let me kind of keep talking about this topic. And I know you've got a lot of steps that you could share with us. We may have to have you back on later, right? (laughs) And and, and, uh, what was the biggest insight that you've seen? Were there surprises that you found with certain people that really could sell, they could get work that you just didn't expect them to be able to do that. Is that something that surprised you? Yeah, like one of my clients, uh, they designed websites Mm -hmm. and highly technical, you know, as you can imagine, he basically spoke a language I didn't understand. But when I told him about business development, he said, look, just give me a process. I'm a process guy, I'm a coder. If you give me a process, I'll blow it out of the water. Oh, and that's what he did. Yeah. We applied some of the tactics that we're, we're discussing today. And he did a phenomenal job of opening up, in his case, hospitals and designing websites for hospitals. And so he just followed the formula. He, yeah, followed, he just the followed the formula. I mean, to the letter. I mean, he didn't skip any steps uh, because sometimes I'll come alongside and coach you, particularly as if something's new. You know, if I catch you, catch it, you know, skipping a step, I might, you know, bring you back to the formula, bring you back to the steps. But this person had such discipline in everything he did. And again, another professional service firm designing websites. Do you think that someone's hubris or their ego has kept them from being able to follow those steps? Is that something that you've seen before? Yeah, that's a struggle I often find. I actually wrote an article about hubris and how it impacts business development. I'll send you a link if anybody's interested. Please. Um, we'll put that on the show notes for everyone. Yeah, so there was a the book written, written on the subject, and I, inter- I reviewed the book. The biggest challenge is what worked yesterday probably might not work today. Right. So, for example, let's say you have a law firm, and the way the two partners who, who launched the firm got new business was they went to chamber events and they went to the Rotary. Mm -hmm. And they set up calls and maybe that was 20 years ago. Right. By all means, if that's still working, keep doing it. 
But if, if, you know, just doing that and working harder at that isn't working, we need to adapt. Right, right. Well, let's get into some of the other ideas. What are some other tactical steps people can take to build their book of business? Well, and the other is the mindset. I can't tell you how critical. We talked about mindset last time on limiting beliefs, but the big one when it comes to business development is your intent. There's a famous author, his name is Ed Wallace. And in one of his books, he talks about worthy intent. Right. And if you're not familiar with that, let me just give you a quick example. I don't know about you, but it happens to me like every day around 6.15, right? Just Mm -hmm. when I'm sitting down with the family to have dinner, my cell phone goes off. And somebody is trying to sell me a new phone carrier, a new internet provider. But very quickly, within the first few seconds, they do not have worthy intent. They're trying to hit their number. They're not trying to help me. That's interesting. And Ed referred you to me, and he's been on the show several times, and I'm a huge fan of his content also. How do you think we can get ourselves and our colleagues to shift our mindset related to having this worthy intent? Well, there's two ways. I always start with the customer. You know, sometimes, like I said, it's a challenge because maybe you've had your practice for 20 years and you remember the good old days before the internet, before cell phones and how things used to work. But today we really need to capture how people buy, why they buy, maybe even the problems that they have and how they say them. So I start with research and very quickly, you, you know, you call some of your current customers, you call people that could be customers, you interview them and you capture their words, right? And then you use those and you you actually try to solve the problems that they share. Right. That's great. And I remember you talked about that the last time we had you on here. And I thought those ideas are brilliant. And it's when you said that, it just makes so much sense. Is talk to those customers, clients that have benefited from you. And I think that really kind of builds the belief that you have that you're not trying to convince anybody to buy. You're trying to solve a problem through your service. And I'm trying to help you. Yeah, absolutely. And and I really believe, I've heard, I mean, I've been very blessed to have some clients tell me, you know, they feel it's a little different working with me. I have a customer up in Winnipeg and he said, you know, we were up against a lot of different large firms, but we picked you because you took the time to understand and we felt you were going to actually try to help us. That's great. Hey, and we hear um, that within our company also, that it's not just the placement fee. It's about the placement. It's that fit, that mutual satisfaction and needs between two people. When you make a good placement, you're making a significant impact in someone's life that's very meaningful to them and very personal. And it's special to have that trust to be able to do that. So I think you're onto something here, Mark, with the mindset. What are some other tactical tips, professional services then, people you know, should think about? One thing that we can gather from professional selling is contacting your ideal customer. Mm -hmm. Who is your ideal customer? Sometimes when people lose that focus, you know, basically anybody that can fog a mirror is my customer. No. And I usually go to your data, whether it's your transaction data, like we did for the website development firm. What we found looking at his data is six of his most recent accounts were hospitals. Hmm. So we called the hospital and just asked why. Why did you pick this boutique website firm? And they went into how he designed these security protocols based on your level in the organization. You would have access to different things. They thought that that was very innovative. Obviously, he sold other people. But what he was doing for hospitals really resonated at that time. And when I asked him, like, talk to me about your business, he said, well, I can build a website for anybody. Right. 
But when we looked at the data, what we found were hospitals particularly valued what he did. So we took that information and turned it into a business development plan targeting hospitals and clinics and rehab centers. So you're pretty much looking for certain trends, right? Yeah. Let the data tell us, right? Was that something that you did or something that he did with your advice? Well, what we did was we looked at his data. I put together an executive summary of, of what we found. My firm actually called his last six accounts and interviewed them to find out why they picked him. What else are they buying that they could have bought from him? How they make buying decisions. And then we turned all of that information and data into a business development plan. That's great. That's fantastic. And that's a smart way to do it. Was there any pushback from any of the clients that you talked to about getting that information? No, it all depends on how you ask. And that's where we're really blessed. We have somebody on staff that's a PhD in psychology and just the nature of the questions, how they start from very broad to very specific, how we ask questions and open-ended and we get people talking is a real art form. And I am really blessed to have her on the team. And, you know, when I work with clients, you know, we develop the questions and the client has to actually approve them before we even implement. Right. That's great. What are some other tips that you have? Well, basic. It sounds so, you know, basic. Again, that's why I call what I do no smoke and mirrors, right? It's not very fancy. Right. But why are they buying from you? Answer that simple question. They had options. And this is a separate step that you suggest to give people, right? When you're doing your research, really understand why. And what that question does is it forces you to be outward looking as opposed to inward looking. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many CEOs I've met with that said, look, I want to grow my business. This is what we're really good at. But when I talk to their customers, something comes up that's not even on the list. I think I mentioned last time I helped a company that made vehicles for people in wheelchairs. Right. And When we interviewed people in wheelchairs that bought their vehicles, they said, the number one reason I bought your vehicle is it's quiet. Oh, interesting. Nowhere on the website, the brochure, our training, did it say quiet. But when we incorporated that feedback and then actually scaled it is when the business really took off. I think that question right there can really open up avenues of vertical markets and not necessarily that, but it could stimulate a whole new marketing campaign. Absolutely. Yeah. When you find out why people buy, it's what I call the buying motive. What's the buying motive? Whenever I call a partner and going to present a firm, I know about 20 reasons as to what's unique and distinct about that firm. I'm not going to pitch it until I know what's important to that person and communicate it that way. It's kind of the same thing that you're doing here. It forces you. When I um, helped a firm that what they did was product management training. When we worked with product managers as they launched new products, we called it the distinctive competence. What is it that makes you unique? What is it that you know made people choose you? And then the other side of that coin, we also need to know, what is it that you're buying that you could be buying from us, but you're buying from other people? Mm. Typically, in most cases, it's less than 30% of the share of wallet is what you're getting compared to what you should be getting. The quickest and best ROI you could ever get is to sell more to a current customer. Right. So don't be shy about asking your current customers, what are they going through now? What new challenges are they facing? And then possibly even design new service offerings based on those new challenges. So I've got a question for you. It's kind of a sidebar, but do you think that when you would consult to companies doing this, 
that there's an immediate pop of revenue that just comes from this concept of let's find new opportunities. Is that something that, are you looking more strategic about making big sweeping changes? Or do you think there's a pop in revenue that comes as a result of just doing this one, this one step right here? So, well, that's a great question. It all depends on the client. Sometimes we just see an immediate pickup and you know, it depends on the problem that we're trying to solve. If it's a business that for whatever reason, you know, the owners don't know why, but the sales and revenues have you know, flattened out or are declining, they've been that way for years, sometimes it's a pretty big project. Right. In most cases, your customers are going to give you actionable insights. The challenge is, will we listen? Right. The only time in 36 years this process did not work is when I delivered those insights to a CEO and he didn't want to hear it. He wow. didn't want to believe it. Yeah. He believed he was unique. He believed he was the only person in North America that did this particular service. But our research showed five other people were doing it. Yeah. Right. Interesting. So what are some other steps, some other tactical tips? The best place, where is it that you've seen over the last, let's say, six months to 12 months, because we've seen so much disruption, I wouldn't recommend looking any longer than that. Where has business development come from? If it's meetings at the chamber or the Rotary, then by all means, keep doing it. But if it's a referral and all of a sudden you're seeing a bunch of referrals from bankers, accountants, CPA firms, how can you scale that? When we did this process for the third-party administrator, what we found was lawyers, attorneys, the uh, business bankers were all huge influencers for their clients. So what we started doing was training for those influencers, not for the clients. Interesting. And we gave them useful tools because everybody wants to help their clients in bigger ways than just their discipline. Right. So we created a referral network, even with tools. And that's what really began to scale. What do you mean? What are some of the tools that you had that you had them follow? Well, we can do like self-assessments. You know, could you be saving like a lot of our clients were doctors and, and legal offices, you know, as the partner, could you be, you know, putting more money away into a retirement plan? Fill out this assessment. Let us know. Is your current plan, you know, working as hard as it should for you? Right. Establishing what a good plan looks like with content and then best practices. It never hurts to have some of those success stories written out with real names, real testimonies. That is something people feel confident sharing. So let me kind of ask you a little bit more about this. This is something you could go pretty granular on. Oh, definitely. you're looking at where it comes from. And just like what you said, and here, here's an example. When I was doing consulting to recruiting firms, there was a staffing company in Arizona where the idea I had was a referral network among candidates, where it wasn't necessarily referral bonuses, but it was a portion of the placement fee would be donated to a local charity. And they kind of were able to use the charity selflessness, the noble cause, as a way to stimulate interest. It was something, to, it was something for them to talk about. And nobody would have thought about that until we started really looking at where do all their referrals for candidates come from, and most of them come from other candidates. So it's when you look at where it comes from, it could be referrals. Are you also looking at advertising? Are you also looking at strategic alliances? What are some other avenues that you've seen are pretty common among your clients, Mark? Yeah, I track everything. I mean, what I'm known for is a data guy. 
uh, which is kind of opposite when most people think about sales. They think about gut and intuition. I let the data tell me what to do. So I track everything. You know, if a new client comes in, how did you hear about us? What process did you use to find us? And we look for trends, right? And then we scale those trends. But again, that that's just the way I've always done it. And, it, and it's actually the best ROI that I've ever discovered is let's really look at what's working. So many people want to gravitate to what's not working, but we need to really have some great feedback to do that. Have you ever found resistance within organizations to give you data about where business is coming from? You mean as far as like end users, customers? Yeah, like your customers where there's a a business developer within a company that's just not going to freely share that information. Is that something that you've seen? Not really, because again, I'm, I'm trying to build a relationship with them. Right. And then I'm also always asking the question, how can I help you? Right. So I'm also an influencer, like with the third party administrator firm. You know, we were an influencer for attorneys. We were an influencer for CPA firms. Mm -hmm. So it works both ways. And often we would start the relationship by giving them business. Yeah, that's great. Give to get. Yep. So I like the idea of the influencers. Have you ever suggested to your clients that they take it to a deeper level and have a formalized strategic alliance with consulting firms or other referring referring parties? Yeah, I've seen that work. Uh, my only challenge is if the client feels that there's some kind of an economic benefit, then it's really no longer authentic as it should be. Right. But again, if you know if you want to develop those kind of things, that, that's great. But again, I would prefer it to be an authentic referral and then also send those back to that firm. That's great. That's a good point. And we've got time for about one or two more tactical tips. What are some other ideas that you'd have for our listeners? Well, and I mentioned earlier, the web development person, the third-party administrator, one of my clients when I lived in Arizona, it's funny you mentioned Arizona, (laughs) was a firm that did financial investing. And when we analyzed his data, what was fascinating was he had a huge book of business from older consumers and widows. So we started just digging into that granular why. And what we found was he instantly built trust uh, with their past spouses and the widows to manage their money efficiently and effectively. And we went out and we asked, you know, how would you like somebody to reach out to you? How would you like people to connect with you? And we created a system and he worked the system. He didn't skip any steps. He would have lunches, dinners, and, you know, do informational thought leading, you know, things that you should consider, never asking for the sale. The feeling was he had such strong, worthy intent to help people. They came to him. Uh, Last I heard now, his firm is up to 14 people and their specialty is uh, retired consumers. That's great. So again, business development, if it's one of those things that you just hope happens, you're going to be really disappointed. But if you develop a system with a cadence, and the other thing to look at is, and I, I highly recommend somebody in your firm Google this, which is multi-channel, omni-channel. It's about multiple touches with the same message, but also the same feeling of the message. That's what's making business development work today. That's great. I'm going to look at that. This is very insightful, Mark. Tell us about the offering that you have. What would you like people to know about your services? I know you were on here before, but if someone didn't listen to that previous show, what would you want them to know about the things you can do for them? 
But if you have business development needs, if you know that your firm can grow, typically I don't work with people that you know want to grow less than 20% a year. But if you have that dream in your gut that, you know what, I think I can double this, triple this, I want to talk with you. That's what I do. Uh, one of the firms, uh, one of the companies that I worked for was $4 million And, you know, 13 years later, we sold it for $300 million. That's what I know how to do. That's my passion. That's my sport, if you will. I've been doing this a long time. So if you need help with business development, um, I have a process and tools to help you get to where you want to get in the most efficient and effective way. Sometimes, you know, my advice is actually free. But a lot of times, if you want to engage, I can help, you know, teams. If you can't remember my name, just Google fix sales problems. Typically, my website is number one in the world. Great. That's great. And we're going to put all your contact info and your LinkedIn address and everything else here on the show notes. So everybody listening, make sure you check that out, connect with Mark. And Mark, thanks so much for being on the show today. We're going to have you back on because I know you got a lot of other great ideas that you can share with everybody. Well, and again, your clients, legal firms, they're process driven. I mean, the way they do their discipline, they don't skip steps. Once they learn the, the steps of business development, I'm very confident they'll apply them and see a lot of success. So thank you for having me today. And I look forward to speaking with some of your audience. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.